We are back with another episode of Locked In with Ian Bick. On today's episode, I interview Jamie Fultz, who was a career criminal who eventually ends up robbing a pharmacy, but doesn't get caught right away. Instead, years later, the feds pick him up in relation to his robbery, and he's sentenced to multiple years in a federal prison. On today's episode, we dive into Jamie's story and find out how he was able to turn his life around. Thank you guys for watching Locked In with Ian Bick. Before we jump into today's interview, just a couple quick announcements for you guys. If you guys could take a second and complete the survey in the description. If you're listening to this on YouTube or on our audio streaming platforms, click on that link to the survey. It helps us make our show better, gets feedback from you guys, what you want to hear, what you want to see more of, maybe even what you want to see less of. So when you guys get a second, just complete that interview for us. Also, on our YouTube channel, we are now offering an exclusive membership for $4.99 a month. You could get access to interviews days in advance before they drop. You could see behind-the-scenes photos with our guests, and you can also interact with me personally. I take the time to run all of my social media accounts, so whenever you see us liking, commenting, whatever, that's me responding to you. All right, guys, thank you for tuning in to Locked In with Ian Bick. Thank you for all the love and support you've been showing us. As always, remember to like, comment, subscribe, share, and thank you guys for tuning in to Locked In with Ian Bick. Jamie, welcome to the show, man. Great to have you. You just drove five, five and a half hours to come out here. Uh, we appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, this is dope. This is awesome, dude. Is this like your first time ever doing like a podcast? Yes, before? for sure. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, I watch a lot of podcasts, you know what I mean? <laughs> I watch them, but yeah. And first time like sharing your story in depth, I'm guessing? Uh, to this point, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like this, like when I was in prison and things like that, of course, you know what I mean? Of course, I did a program at the end of prison. So, you know what I mean? I got to share a lot of what I did there. That's awesome. So where are you from? What's your childhood like growing up? Um, from Winchester, Virginia. Uh, I was born in actually Berryville, Virginia. Um, stayed there for, I don't know, nine years when I lived in the townhouses, uh, before my mom and dad got divorced when I, they were, I was nine. Um, and then my mom got remarried. My dad just kind of went everywhere else. And I went with my mom, stayed there, uh, hated my stepdad. You know I mean? He was a great dude. He was really probably a really good dude that would have done anything for me, but I was an asshole kid and he was not my dad. So yeah, I rebelled. And I just think that kind of threw me into the craziness because my old man was the person that was the disciplinary person in my family. My mom was not. I get whatever the fuck I want out of my mom. And that was the person you're living with, so yeah. you're going to gravitate towards that. Yeah, and now I'm growing up, you know what I mean? Now I'm 11, 10, 11, I'm starting to become a young man, and I'm starting to challenge this dude, I guess. Yeah, we got in fist fights and shit. The stepfather. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I and was a horrible kid. Is he rebelling back at all? or? Yeah, um... You know, he tries to be nice and stuff at first, but to me, he was just a goofy dude, man, and I just didn't like that. So I guess I rebelled against that, man, and I just did whatever I wanted to do. Like, I remember I used to get, uh, we had spray bottles. As kids, we'd run around spraying spray bottles instead of squirt guns because they sprayed further. So I would come out into the living room, he'd be sitting on the couch, and I would squirt him right in the face with this gun. And he'd come chasing me down the hallway, and then I'd jump out my window onto a picnic table where he couldn't get me. And he'd stick his head out the window, and I'd shoot him again, straight in his face, and just laugh at him, bro, because he couldn't get me. And then, like, everything would calm down. I'd come back in the house, and I guess my moms would protect me, you know what I mean? I don't know. Wow. And make whatever not happen. Now, do you have siblings at all? No. Um, I have a half-sister, 
and uh, probably two half sisters. So you're but an only child. How yeah. is like when your mom's raising you? Is she rich, poor, middle class? No, we're middle class, man. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. My mom worked at a hospital. Uh, she was like, uh, you know, what I mean, regular whatever in a hospital. She did that for like 25 years. Uh, my dad was a carpenter. You know, he drank, smoked weed. Uh, they got divorced by nine. That was crazy. Uh, up until the point that I was like nine years old, I seen wild shit. I, I remember my dad coming in the house one time with like his face kicked in, bro. He had a hole in his cheek because he was at uh, my mom's friend's house fucking with her and the husband came home and kicked the shit out of him. And I come down the steps, you know what I mean? Six, seven years old and there's my pops with blood all over him. Shit like that was just crazy, you know? Uh, what, what about like high school? What's high school like for you? Uh, I didn't do high school, man. You never went to high no, school? No, like uh, ninth grade, I quit. On the last day I went was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Why'd you quit? Uh, girls. What do you mean girls? Like girls. Girlfriends? Right. Just what? because, you, you know, what could you do in school, man? There's nothing I could do sitting in school. I could, you know, we had, by the time we was in ninth grade, the scumbag that ended up snitching on me had a car. So when he had a car, like, we could leave anytime we wanted. So we were doing whatever. We would hook up with whatever chicks and then take them to their house and, you know, do our thing. Eat sandwiches, have sex, whatever happened. And you this know what is I mean? when you're 14 years old. Uh, 15, yeah, 14, 15. So that yeah. was a day in the life. Because he was like you. a year older than us. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So you're just driving. What is your mom, like, telling you? Like, is she worried that you're not going to school? Or Oh, yeah. Uh, back then, you know, we had truant officers and shit coming by the house. But what was I going to do, bro? Now, like, what year is this, just to put it in perspective? Oh, shit. Well, I was supposed to graduate in 94. So this is, uh, I wasn't even born yet. Right. <laughs> you're supposed to graduate high school in 1994. Yeah. I think that's right. So you never got a high school diploma ever? No, I got a GED. Uh, when, when you eventually went to prison? Or? No, I got that actually on the street. Uh, my first charge was at 18 years old was a... Uh, uh, nighttime stealing charge um so i got probation first offender status where if you complete probation you get no felony on your record um i did that at 18 years old and that was like the first thing that i did and i i think i completed the probation and got past that part of it that was the first crime you ever committed no absolutely not <laughs> so when do you start first committing crime Dude, like the first thing i ever did was probably about five or six years old i rode my bicycle all the way to amp in berryville and i stole a pack of gum i mean everyone does that right but my aunt, aunt and uncle was standing in line i got busted my mom and dad made me take it back so from there, like when I was a kid, I was a hustler when I was young. I mowed grass, I, I shoveled driveways. Uh, I went to the store and bought penny candy for, you know, I, mean, I buy a hundred pieces of penny candy for a dollar and bring it back and sell them for five cents a piece. Yeah. This is like pre nine years old because this is when I'm still in the townhouses. So anyways, I just, you know, that was me, man. I wanted to hustle. I wanted to make money. I wanted to do something, be something. I don't know. So do you think that like high school wasn't like um, like stimulating your mind, which was maybe one of the reasons why you left? For sure. Because well, you're like advanced at this point. Like you're thinking, I want to make money. I want to hustle. I want to yeah. do this. Yeah. Well, I was in gifted and talented classes up till sixth grade. And then when I got to the sixth grade, I was in the gifted and talented class, but I just didn't do my work. Like I never did homework. Like I, in the classes, I killed it in class, but I just never took nothing home. Fuck that homework, bro. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And then I just went downhill from there. And then, of course, puberty and girls and all those things come into play. And that's the only reason I went to school, to see my girl. I mean, I wonder how many other kids are in your position, like, in life that just, like, it's it, it's not there. Like, I know for me, I struggled with school. Not that because I wasn't smart enough to do it, just because it wasn't stimulating. Yeah. It didn't, 
it didn't match my ambition level whatsoever. Facts. It, it, it holds you back in a way. And like, yeah. that's why I left corporate because you could be above and beyond. You could do this, you could do that. And there's no, they're not looking at you in a different light. Right. Everyone's on that same level and that's right. hard. It doesn't stimulate you in that yeah. regard. And it's like, it's so boring. You know what I mean? Like I can learn music lyrics by listening to a song three times. And I always said, if I could have put math and English and sound, all that shit, into a song then i would have known it all just like a b c d e f g that everybody knows that right because it's a song bro yeah now how do you go from stealing this pack of gum to escalating into more crimes okay so in the ninth grade when i hook up with this dude you know he's driving um his people are just shit bags like they're just not good people uh thieves fucking you know jail all that kind of stuff like and this wasn't something that was a part of my life up to this point i didn't know anything about it but then we start stealing so we start shoplifting and then we start shoplifting as a team and we end up starting two pawn shops so there's a pawn shop in winchester that's still there and there was a pawn shop in in west virginia that once we hooked up with one dude that got through a guy whatever brought him anything we wanted and he gave us 50 cents for every dollar so if it was a thousand dollars we got 500 bucks if it was a hundred dollars we got 50 you know i mean and some things i could get down my pants was a thousand dollars all day long so that's where it all started and then he started the pawn shop and then his competition wanted us to come and we so stole you're stealing for him. you're just stealing the every stuff. day bro that's all we did our like, pawn shop just based off of stolen items for the uh, most well part? you're supposed to sign tickets and all that shit but if you know the people they know ways around that and i knew the people so we could get around all that like we stole so much stuff we was hitting the same stores twice a week and the people just knew us when we walked in like they knew that's what we were there to do like they just didn't even watch at this point are you doing drugs at this point uh, smoking a little weed. Like, I didn't even smoke any weed. I didn't do any drugs till I was 16. And then I smoked weed. So what do you do with the money you're making smoke, at that age? Smoke pot. So you just spend it on yeah, pot? Yeah, just spend it on pot. And no one's tripping about pot weeds. back then in the 90s? or Yeah, uh, you know, it was illegal, but it was horrible pot. It was fucking <laughs> dead, brown, seedy, just horrible weed. And yeah. it's hard to find. You know what I mean? We were kids, hard to find. So there was another buddy that hooked up with us, Joey. You know what I mean? That's actually still a good dude, whatever. He's whatever. But, uh. He always smoked, and he knew more about drugs. Like, they huffed gas and shit like that. I had never done no shit like that. So when I hooked up with this crew, then I'm huffing gas, and I'm huffing glue and butane and all this shit when we don't have weed. So I guess that's just how I got introduced into the mind-altering substances. Now, my grandparents were alcoholics on my mother's side, um, so I I didn't want to drink because I seen everything that they did. Like I seen the horrible nights and puking and all the shit that that went through. That was crazy for me. So I didn't want to drink, but the drug side of it, I never seen how that affected people. So I guess I just didn't care. You know what I mean? I didn't understand. So why do you even start doing drugs then? Eventually. Uh, like what was the interest? Why, why does someone wake up one day and say, Hey, I want to try this drug if they weren't even influenced by it? I really don't even know, man. Like I remember the first couple of times we, uh, we had some weed and we would go out in an orchard or something in a car to smoke it. And I would sit in the back, on the back of the car while they smoked it. I didn't even want none. Like, I was just didn't want none. And eventually I smoked. And from there, it's like, oh, shit, this is great. Whatever. You're fucking stoned. You feel good. You know what I mean? And then that leads to a perk set. And that leads to a Xanax, a Valium at that time. And you just get hooked on it? Yeah, man. Well, once you get anything that's uh, any kind of those medications that affect your body, you're over. It's done. Now, how addicted are you to these drugs? Like, is it to the point you can't function or? or so that fun? comes years later. So let me see. I hook up with my girl uh, and we start doing 
fighting and shit like that and we live in a house just me and my girl live together and i got my who's actually my co-defendant he lives downstairs and people are in and out but whatever we start taking xanax uh vicodin valium shit like that just wherever wherever we can get it and then the next thing you know you got a habit so now you're buying 10 at a time because as soon as you run out you feel like shit like you can't motivate you can't do nothing you know what i mean you're just there and then i guess uh we lived like that for, I don't know, two, three years. I had my son, um, and then that's when I robbed a pharmacy because by that point, oxys had been introduced. So a buddy of mine calls us, and he lives down in the city, and he's like, yo, we got these pills. He said, this pill is eight Percocets in one pill. You know what I'm saying? And we're taking like two perks, and we're fucked up off of two perks. He's like, they're 15 bucks a piece. So you think this is gold? Bro, this is gold. This is fucking boom. Oh, what? We jump in the car, boom, we're there. So we get there, and we don't know anything about it. Nobody knows about these pills now. They're brand new. So we just take a little nibble, and we maybe a quarter or something like that, and we are fucked up. I scra- scratching this is before faces. you robbed the place. You're just yes, trying this it. is You're before. Sampling. This is before the robbery. So this is probably 96. 96. I would say something like that. How could you just go in and try it? There were they giving out free samples? No, or? my boy had them. Oh, okay. So down in the city, tied to my case in the end, ended up being like 75 or 80 people and a doctor. So the doctor was just writing scripts for money at this point. He would just meet you in the parking lot. This shit was all in my discovery. My, my discovery was like this thick, bro. It was insane. So anyways, uh, that's where they was getting the pills from. So they was, you know, we had, and I had another crooked doctor that would give it to us too. Like he was, uh, I don't know, uh, Indian or whatever. Because uh, I remember him telling me one time, he said, I come to America to be doctor, not drug dealer. You know what I mean? Because so many people was there, bro. We were ordering pizzas in his parking lot and having delivered to our car, waiting to get pills from this doctor at this point. But he became one, essentially. He yes. became a drug dealer. Yeah. And then, you know, once he stopped giving us the opiates and shit that we wanted, we stopped coming to him. So then all that shit cut out and they found another doctor. I didn't know nothing about that. At this point, I'm addicted to shit. So if you have these doctors, why do you need to rob a place? Because I didn't have enough money to pay for the pills everybody was selling. Now, these pills are just to support your habit. They're not to sell, resell. You're not thinking money at this point. Oh, if I can, sure. If I can build, buy one for 15 and sell it for 25 and you know make you one could. for free, I'll do that. But yeah. the main priority is getting high. Just so. getting high, bro. That's all. What are you doing for work? Still robbing? No, I'm, I actually started building houses with my dad or building decks with my dad when I was 13. That's the dad that left. Yes, that's okay. the one that mom and dad got divorced. Yeah, so he was a carpenter. So I started building shit with him. So I learned early that I was good with my hands. You know what I mean? So I was a cut man for a carpenter crew. Uh, He's not seen I built that fences. you're addicted to drugs He's at all? not around, bro. He's a piece of shit. Wow. Straight up, my dad's a piece of shit. Like, he's just uh, a selfish dude that the only thing he cared about was women. He cared about whatever woman was in his life and how good she could treat him. He didn't give a fuck about his kids. Until I could give something to him, you know what I'm saying, at the point to where I could work for him and he knew I could make him money. And then I ran his crew for a couple of years. Like, you know, but other than that, dude, he was just a piece of shit. Do you think his like taste for a woman trickled down towards you to affect some of your actions? Uh, probably because I'm not the type of person that just fucks women. I don't just like to just see a woman and fuck her and move on to the next. That's just not me. I like to know a woman and have a relationship. You're a lover boy, a romantic. I guess so, yeah. (laughs) Because I guess seeing my dad be like that and not treat women the way I thought they were supposed to be treated. You know what I mean? He didn't hit nobody. He didn't hit no women that I knew of. But I just didn't like the way he yelled and talked to them all negative all the time, cussing them. Everything they did was wrong. 
You know I mean, which was the same for me. There was never a good job, Jamie. It was always you did this wrong, you did that wrong. And that's how I treated my mom. That's how I treated his last wife that he lived with for 34 years. You know, just a scumbag. So he didn't care about me. He didn't care about ball games. He didn't care about that. My mom died for him to fucking help me, bro. She called all the time, like, help him out. And I can't take care of him. I can't control him. You know what I'm saying? He's beating up my fucking husband, for Christ's sake. You know what I'm saying? Come do something. I remember one time uh, she kicked me out to him and he had to take care of me. And his fucking, it was on his birthday. Because I remember walking down the thing and he said, happy fucking birthday, huh? Like, that was to me, bro. Like, I'm coming to you, I'm your kid, and you're saying happy fucking birthday. Like, fuck me because you're, anyways, he's a piece of shit. And that's kind of where my whole life is going at this point, too, is because the negativity that he brought to my entire family has trickled down even to my son without influence. And I'm trying to change that with what I do every day. I'm trying not to be that asshole that my dad was. Because I can point out the negative. We all came, right? Look at the news. It's all negative shit because that's what people see, man. We don't want to see the positive and shit. You have kids at this point? I do. Uh, well, when I, robbed, when I robbed, my kid was born in 98. I think I robbed a pharmacy six months later. So let's talk about that robbery. What happens that day? Why did you decide to pick uh, that pharmacy? So we were probably, I mean, I'm strung out as hell at this point, bro. I'm probably walking around six foot six at 150 pounds. And so. you're how old? Uh, 21, 2? 21, 22. 21, 2, something like that, yeah. I don't remember because I didn't drink, so I didn't give a shit about that. <laughs> but, uh, so my co-defendant on this charge, um, he had just been in a car wreck like three days before that, had 54 staples in his head, um, had broken ankle or some shit like that where the seat slammed back into him. Long story short, I picked him up. And they didn't give him no pills. So he couldn't get no oxys. He couldn't get nothing from them. So we had no pills. And I'm in my car and I'm so fucked up on somas. I'm taking somas this day. I'm so fucked up on somas. I wrecked my car three days, three times. Three times a day of the robbery, I wrecked my car. Spun it around, whatever. So we're just trying to figure out how to get some pills. We can't get no money. He can barely walk. Like we go to try to steal, I think, and we're going through the store. And I got him in a wheelchair. You know what I'm saying? Pushing him through the store, we're gonna, but we couldn't get nothing, so we couldn't get no money that way. It's actually probably a good way to steal, like when you have someone. Oh, I, we had already done it. Yeah, they're not looking. Yeah, at we you. had already <laughs> done it way more than that, bro. I've been within there several times and got mad shit out of there. We used to get Christmas lists, like literally, people used to bring us Christmas lists every year and say, "Here, I want this." So you guys go into this pharmacy with him in a wheelchair? No, no. So we started robbing, trying to rob everything before that with him in a wheelchair. Couldn't get anything, so we're sitting at the house and we had been filling scripts at this pharmacy for years and so we've been scoping this pharmacy and talking about it just never had the balls to do it we were just you know thieves i guess we were stealing shit we weren't robbers had no guns no shit like that so we go to walmart we get some fucking you know things they don't have the things in them so we got to take them home and cut them out ski mask we cut them we make our own fucking ski i'm high as shit bro i'm so fucked up this day my ski mask was all crooked on my face nose has i was fucked up so anyways we get home and cut them and uh, we go up there and we scope it out. And I remember going through the parking lot and this car was coming by. And I'm so high, I drift over and our mirrors hit. Like right in front of the store, we're scoping the store. I'm banging a mirror against the car beside me as I'm going by. Anyways, nobody's in the store. So we go down and park the fucking car down the road at Kentucky Fried Chicken and walk up. 
So when we walk in, ski mask on, there's a dude there cleaning the rugs because it's almost closing time. So as soon as we come in, my boy Steven, he gets him down the ground. Get down on the ground, motherfucker. Da, 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 ba, ba. You know what I mean? And I go right over to the counter. And I'm so high, I don't even think about what I'm doing. I'm like, give you all your 40 milligram oxycontins. That's what you're saying? That's right? what I'm saying. I'm Do slurring. you have a gun or no? I'm slurring. No guns. There's no guns. <laughs> He's telling this dude over here, though, that he's got a gun. He's like, get down on the fucking floor, motherfucker. I got this nine millimeter. I'll fucking shoot you. Rah, 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 rah. To the carpet guy. And I'm over here with the women like, give me all your oxycodone. I'm fucked up as shit. The 40 milligrams is all I asked for. Just they 40. Put, That's all I wanted, dude. <laughs> they made 80s and 20s and 10s and 5s and Delauded's. And, dude, it's a pharmacy. So did they And all it? I wanted was the 40s. That's all I asked for. I'm fucking retarded at this point. What happened? So they put two bottles up there. One of them's brand new. I can see the seal on it. I kind of remember this part. Not really. But they put the second one up there. And then he comes. Stephen comes over. And he's like, no, oh, give us all the Oxycontins. So now they come down with the 80s and they come down with the 20s. So we got all that shit sitting there. We snatch it up. Boom. We're out the door. Running down the fucking thing. As soon as we come out, we pull our masks off. So when we pull our masks off, I'm, I don't know what happens. But somewhere along the lines, I drop my fucking mask. Right? Fucking retard, rookie mistake. Get in the car, take off, get all the way home, do a line of fucking oxys this long, bro. There was that motherfucking line of oxys, it was this long. Oh, you guys are breaking up the oxygen. Yes, at this point, we're snorting them, okay? What's the benefit of snorting as opposed to So much to faster. So if you take the time release off of them, they don't make them anymore like this, but you could put them in your mouth, get the time release off, wipe it off, crush them, and then you just snort that, and it went straight because your mucous membrane sucks it up faster than your stomach distributes it. Okay. So um, at this point, we were snorting them. <clears throat> so yeah, we did a big fucking line, whatever. So years go by, whatever. This is, uh, I guess, 98. We both end up in jail in 99. So in 99, they come in and they're investigating us for this robbery and they take hair samples. Okay, so they're pulling our hair out, they're taking DNA, all this shit, because they know there's hair in that fucking mask, bro. So I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, they got us. They got us. We're done. We're done. It's fucking over. There's no way. The masks come back inconclusive. So there's no hair of mine or Stevens in this mask. Why did they think to check, though? Because there was hair in the mask. No, but why did they think on this one to you Because my fucking boy run his mouth too much, bro. I remember coming back and telling him and my old lady that night when we were doing lines this long, I was like, no one in the world ever needs to know about this. Ever in life do they ever need to know about this. All we're going to do is get high for a week because that's all we got. Dude, it's horrible. Nobody needs to know. But this motherfucker always had a thing about running his mouth, dude. He always run tell everybody what we did. He couldn't be happy with what we got. He had to tell everybody to be that big man. So a couple people knew, and, you know, word got around, and that's when they started investigating us. A year, this was a year later, though. At least. And then it comes back inconclusive. So that comes back inconclusive. Now, here's the thing. Later on, I'm locked up again. I did a year on that bid. Come on, whatever. So I'm locked up again on some assault on a cop whatever assault on a cop what well, assault, it, it turned out to be assault on a security guard but okay. that's it, it still it, it gave me an enhancement that sent me to the penitentiary okay but uh so at this point it's just like uh, uh there's just so much going on man that i can't keep track you, you know have like a saying? life of crime going on yes it's just so much going out. on with with robbing everything and doing everything that, so we get the pills we come out we're locked up now and uh uh it's five years later. Statute of limitations, five years. So I'm locked up. It's December 2nd, 1998 when we robbed it. This is like December 2nd, 2003. My indictments fall. While I'm in state jail, okay, I'm doing jail time, federal indictments fall. 
day before that, I just got busted off work release for a bunch of oxys, you know what I'm saying, where I was so high, I come in, they found oxys in my pocket, dude, where I just, anyways. So I'm getting kicked off work release, they take me back to the jail, feds pick me up, ship me off to, you know, Orange County, Virginia, which was the most horrible jail ever. Did you know what it was for? Like, did you say, yes. I'm hit? Yes, so I had state charges that I beat. So with the state had already charged us for the robbery. Oh, the state figured yeah, out. Yeah, so the state charged us for the robbery before that, but they couldn't get us, okay? So when I was in the state and I'd already paid my $50,000 bond and all, there, dude, there's so many stories I can't even keep track. So I'd already been home, you know what I'm saying, uh, on the state thing. And they said, well, the feds are going to pick this up. We're going to null process. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I'm going to pay for a lawyer. I'm going to pay bond. And now all that shit means nothing. That's what they do. And y'all are shipping me to the feds. Yeah, so they shipped me to Orange County. We sit there for six, eight months. So had this been like two weeks later, you the statute of limitations would have been hit. Done. And you were the next the day it would have been done. So these whole the five next years, day, literally the yeah. next fucking day, bro, they couldn't have got me for this. This entire five years, you probably always had that in the back of your mind. Scared you, me to death every day of my life. Because that was like the big fish Facts. of everything you've done. Facts. You know that weight on. You know what I'm saying to have that holy shit on your back, bro. You're that was my holy shit. So you get what? What exactly are you charged with? What's oh? The so the first time they started out it was four, four counts. It was like conspiracy, robbery. Uh, use of a firearm during a robbery. But you guys didn't have a And firearm. use of a dangerous weapon. But you know how they do. They're going to charge you with every fucking thing they can so that you'll plead down. So I'm facing 80 years. Like, my charges are 80 years. And, you know, conspiracy can get whatever the fuck they want to give you on conspiracy. Um, so anyways, they kept us separated. And then they shipped us back uh, to talk to investigators. They had been fucking watching us for years. Like, they had pulled us over. We didn't know it was them. Um so anyways, when they pull us in, uh, the DA tells us, he's like, if you can convince me that you didn't have a gun, he said, I'll drop everything but the robbery. And then I'll convict you of the robbery and I'll give you the low end of your guidelines, which mine was 48 months. So I was like, fuck yeah, bro, let's go. Like when you're happy to get fucking four or five years, dog, you know you've been facing some bullshit. So I'm like, bet. So now they pull us out of these cars and we're going in to see the DA and they got me and my boy separated. So as soon as we get out of the car, I'm like, yo, just tell them the truth, bro. I'm telling them the fucking truth and I'm, we're going home, whatever. So as soon as we get in there, I tell them about it wasn't a gun. You know, they dropped it down and they start asking me about other shit, other murders and shit. They want me to snitch on some shit. He's like, we'll give you a downward departure, blah, 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 blah. And he names off these murders and shit, bro. And I'm like, dude, I don't know nothing about no fucking murders, man. I said, I'm not telling nothing if I did know, but I don't know about no fucking murders Jamie, for Christ's sake. this is things. literally a movie scene where like yes. they bring in the drug addict who committed a petty crime and they think he's like this ringleader yes. of all this shit. Bro, it was terrible. Yes. And that's how they thought we were. And I'm like, bro, I'm a petty drug addict that's all i am like all i want to do is get high that's all i care about yeah and asking me all that shit and i was like man just give me my little time so anyways that was the 48 months uh and then they gave a uh, i had an upper departure for the weapon it was a dangerous weapon for saying we had a gun and then i had some other points added so i ended up with 60 months 63 you, months you took a plea deal didn't go to trial no, no fuck no and you're, you're on trial on the feds are you're you not saying i went to trial did you you you're yeah. fucking nuts i said the guy we interviewed before you too went to trial too yeah but yeah got dude that's years you're after. fucking that's you got big balls on that one um i mean i actually i'm on a rare case i got less time after going to trial and losing half the count no shit. than my plea deal. But That's they were out to get me. I mean, I think it was good in my scenario to go to trial so the judge could understand my whole story. Right. Whereas if I didn't take a plea deal, it wouldn't, you know. Right, you don't and get a chance to tell your part. Exactly, and I probably would have only got house arrested if I didn't go out of state against my bond to, to gamble. And that, right. it's a crazy shit. Right. So you take a plea deal. 
you're on, you're you're in the jail like you you don't get bail or anything mm, no so i'm already locked up i'm already doing time on other charges you just wanted to get it over with yeah. and- so once the feds convicted me i still had another state charge to go for so once i was convicted there in the state they picked me up or the feds they picked me up like two weeks later and sent me back to my hometown so i stayed there for a year completing another bid oh they didn't just overlap it with the fed bid no it didn't go straight so that, that was if, if it would have if my fed bid would have been first then my state shit would have been concurrent hmm. but since my state shit was first i had to do all that before i even got a day for my fed time. now what's going on with your family your parents and your kid at this point in time okay so at this point I got a daughter too. You have two so, kids. Yes, now. I have a son and a daughter, um, and they were both like their mom. I'm with their mom. We live together. We're doing, you know, whatever. I'm doing dope. She's, you know, uh, working and kind of keeping the sanity in the house, if you will. So she was being the good parent. Yes, yeah. yes, because I caused so much trouble, dude. Like the ripple effect of what I did to everyone, to my mom, to my dad, to my girl, to my kids. Like, I know that shit is never going to be turned around. And the only way I can explain it, too, man, it's like when that shit's going on, you got a demon. It's like being possessed. Have you ever seen fucking The Exorcist, man? Yeah, of course. Like, you know, I mean, let Jesus fuck you. Let with the, you ever remember that part, bro? That's horrible shit right there. But that's what it is, man. That shit grabs you and it does what it wants to do with you. That's addiction. Yeah. yeah, bro. I mean, I'll just do things that, that this guy sitting here right now today would never fucking do. Never in life would I do that shit. But I just did it. Like, didn't give a fuck. I mean, I remember stealing a tip jar from a fucking strip club one night, knocking bounces over and just running out with the whole tip jar. like And it was always just to get drugs. Just more dope, bro. More dope, more party. Yeah, we paid bills. You know what I'm saying? Of course, I had to have a place to live. I had my own house and shit. Did your wife, girlfriend, whatever she was, leave you when you got sentenced to that? She stuck with you. Well, she stuck around for a little bit, man. She stuck around for a little bit and hung out. Like, when I got... Uh, like when I was gone for the six months, we didn't talk too much when I was down away. But when I come back to town, she was, she was there for visits three, four times a week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then she started drinking. Uh, and I knew that when I left. So she started drinking at this point, dude. Like I remember coming into a visit and I could smell the alcohol. She's coming drunk to the visit. Yeah. With your kids. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, bro. So this was a fucked up part. So, so you're sober by this point though. Yeah. Well, I'm in jail. I don't have no well, choice. No, there's a lot of drugs yeah. in jail. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, there's no drugs there. Okay. And there was very little drugs throughout my entire bid that I could afford. So jail sobered you up. Yeah. So she come in she was drunk, you know what I'm saying? And I remember, I remember my son telling me that, uh, she was drinking from the bottle with the chicken on it. With a chicken? Yeah, wild turkey. What does that mean? It's a wild turkey bottle of liquor that's got a turkey on it. So my son <laughs> thought it was a chicken. Okay. So anyways, I remember him telling me that, dude. And, you know, we argued about that or whatever. And at this point, she just had an issue. And uh, I went to prison. So I that's went to prison from there. Yeah. for you, though, like to be sitting there on a visit as a father who's now trying to get his life together yeah. and seeing this. Like the roles kind of reversed. Yeah, man. Expect, well... I, I pulled her into the drug life. You know what I mean? When I met her, she was 17. I was 20. Um, she had never done anything but maybe drank a little bit of wine at that point. And like our second date, we went to King's Dominion at 6.30 in the morning. I dosed her with a hit of acid. That's just like what I did. That was me. You know what I'm saying? So we went to King's Dominion and had a fucking blast. When you saw her tripping. <laughs> when you saw her drunk on those visits, did, it, did you see yourself and her because she, now you are the parent that's trying to show up and she's not so that's how you were not too long before yeah, that yeah dude uh, uh 
it took me a long time to be accountable for any of my shit. So I probably cussed at her like she was totally wrong without thinking about what I had done. But yeah, man, it was hard. It made it tough. It made me wonder about what was going on. Um, and then I went to prison and then she overdosed and died. She died. Yeah. While you were in prison. Yeah. So while I was in Lee County Penitentiary, she died. And what was that feeling like for you? Oh, it destroyed me. It destroyed me. Like, I love this woman. I chose her to have my kids. You know what I'm saying? This wasn't an accident. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, and it fucked me up. Like, I had nightmares for four years, like, in prison. Like, four years. Like, I couldn't sleep. Like, every night I had some kind of nightmare about her. So what what were you doing? Like, you're so not in control of that situation. What's happening with your kids? How do you cope with that? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, dude. Like, you're in jail. What else are you supposed to do? I mean, I try to, you don't, as men, we don't like, hey, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? But, of course, I was fucked up. So I remember when they told me in the chapel, I called one of my boys, Nate. I was like, yo, call my boy, Nate. I need, I need somebody to holler, whatever. So Nate come down. And I lost it, bro. I started crying. I'm fucked up. And he pulled me back together. He's like, Jamie, get your shit together. Got to go back in the block. You know what I'm saying? Whatever. Come back in the block. And everybody was cool, man. Like, everybody was really nice that found out about it. You know what I'm saying? It was all consoling and good dudes. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, it was fucked up. You, you know, you got to think about it. And then, like, you got so much time to think when you're in there that diverting your attention away from those things you don't want to think about is hard. So, you know, I'm a hell of a spade player. I <laughs> I'm love a hell spades. of a pinochle player. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I've learned chess, you know what I'm saying? Handball, basketball. I did all that shit. If you could do it, I fucking did it because I needed my brain to be not thinking about her, not thinking about not being there for my kids. You know what I'm saying? They're living with her mom and then my mom and, and her husband at this point, um, different different guy than the one I beat up because he died of a brain tumor. He, she's still with him. So anyways, they did a lot to take care of my kids. Like they were the main ones. Mary took care of them and then my mom and them came in and kept them on the weekends and things like that and, and took care of them. What was your first conversation with your kids like after their mother passed? Well, they were young, dude. So uh, she passed right right when my daughter was probably a year and a half, two years old. And my son's like five years older than her. So Corey knew her more than Paige did. Um, and the first time I seen him was a visit at Lee County Penitentiary. They come in. And she, my daughter didn't even know who I was. Literally, she didn't know who I was. She was scared of me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? My son knew who I was. And, of course, with him being warm to me, by the end of the visit, she's on my lap. And... uh. It's got to be tough. I, I can't even imagine. I remember one time, I remember the first visit, my mom was holding her, and uh, it was time to go. So they had us all on this side of the room, and they had them on that side of the room. And she jumped down and ran to me, and it fucking killed me. Destroyed me right there. I was just... And I knew right then that I had to do something different, too, you know? Like, I had to do something else. This prison life and this jail life, it had to stop. And this was how long into your sentence when you when that happened? Probably two years, two and a half years. So at that point, you're like, I'm not going to let this define me. Like, I'm going to move past this. Yeah. So uh, my biggest thing that when I went in was uh, I wanted to I wanted to learn as much as I could learn. And I wanted to build my body up. I wanted to be strong because I was so skinny. Everybody called me slim. The drugs didn't help either. Yeah. They, yeah well, that's why you know, they called me slim. And I swore when I went to prison, nobody would ever call me slim again. So what was Haven't your been called Slim since? What was your prison nickname? Uh, slim up for a while, and then it became Six. They six. called me Six. Yeah, because I was six foot six with six years. 
Okay. So they called me six. Now, what's a penitentiary like for someone like you that didn't come from like a gang background or that like you were a drug addict, Fucking essentially? scary, bro. Fucking are you, scary. Are you riding with anyone? What do you do? No. So when I come into the prison too now, they move me down by myself. So I didn't come in on no prison bus or none of that shit. I come in in a squad car. They moved me into some fucking jail, right? And I thought I was going to a medium or a low. But since I had assault on a fucking security guard, that sent me up. Anyway, so they come in and he's like, you're going to penitentiary, Lee County Penitentiary. And bro, like, I imagine my face went white. Like, what? Pen, pen of what? Pen of who? You know what I'm saying? Pen of what? And I'm scared to death at this point, bro. I'm shitting my drawers. And then when they take me in, you know what I mean? Here, you got to go through R&D and all that bullshit. Walk down this giant hallway, get these fucking boots and stuff. And then you see this giant fucking compound. It's like, it's scary, bro. It's they scary. need to send you to rehab, not to a U.S. penitentiary. Yeah, for sure. Because, here, and you know, I've heard you say that several times on other podcasts, dude, and things like that makes perfect sense. Because when I went to jail the first time, I always say that I had a GED in prisonery in, in crime when i came out i had a phd yeah. i knew so much more you know i light cigarettes i knew i'd do a lot more shit i had smuggled so much stuff in and out like i was so much better criminal after being locked up the first time i ever did time you know what i mean so i didn't want to do that this time when i come in this time i wanted to learn you know what i mean and of course everything's divided the white boys are the white boys the muslims are the muslims uh, you know you got so many cars you got a dc car you got Mississippi, whatever, you know what I'm saying? But the white boys, you got two little tables, you know what I mean, by the volleyball court. So are you riding with these guys? No, they want me to patch up. They want me to do a lot of shit like that, and I'm not going to do it. Are you but I'm a solid dude, so you know what I'm saying? It is what it is. So they didn't bother you? No. I ran with all of them. I talked to them on a continuous basis. Like, we hooked up. Uh, I was probably sellies with one or two, you know, AB or AC dudes throughout my bid. You know what I mean? Um so you could go to prison and not ride with a gang if your paperwork For sure. Right? Did For they sure. check your paperwork? You know what? I was thinking about that too, man, because I don't really think they did. But I also know that we had a certain guy that everybody's shit went through that I learned later. I didn't know that at the time. So later on, I learned that there was a certain person they sent all of your name and your number through, and they looked you up on the outside and made sure. So they probably knew I was solid. They probably knew I was a good dude. Now um, to the spades, because you said you played spades. Can you explain what spades is? explain what space yeah like is. explain how to play it and why it's such a popular game in prison oh man i don't know i've never been really asked that before but okay so i guess best thing about spades is it's it's more predictable than other things for me i don't play poker i like to play counting games so with spades there's 52 cards each man gets 13 cards you got 13 of each suit you have to learn how to count trump is which the main suits that the most powerful is spades. So that can beat anything. If you run out of suits, you can cut. But if I run you all out of your trump, and then now I have a power suit of hearts or diamonds or, or clubs, you can't cut my shit and I do a rundown on you. So once I learned how to do that and run a dime with the rundown and be able to take my deuce of hearts and set it to the side and say, that's a book. Count that shit. Count my deuce right there. Then nobody's going to count that two of hearts. I'm going to pimp that shit on you at the end. I loved it. It was just now what's fun. Con- why do they call it a book? Like, what's a book in space? A book is four. So you're going to play everybody plays. One, two, three. Whoever wins that book, you got four people. Whoever wins that book, maybe it's an ace, king, queen, jack. The ace is going to win. You know what I mean? Maybe it's uh, king, four, seven, nine. You know what I'm saying? Highest card wins every time. As long as it matches suit. But if this, someone throws a spade on it, it cuts it, and they win right. that book. Now, if they, they have to be out of that suit before they can do that. Because then you call a renege a if renege. they find it. Yeah. yeah. 
That's awesome. Now, if you're good enough to actually be able to follow all them books and point that reading book out, you know, you're getting there. So I got to the point where spades got boring and pinochle become more interesting. I never got into pinochle. Pinochle's 80 cards. Yeah. And now you got 20 of each suit and nothing but 10 through ace. And it goes ace, 10, king. So confusing. They would have separate decks for pinochle. Yes. Too. Did you play awesome. d- dice at all? C-Lo? No. Never Dude, got I never, I'm not a gambler. So you, got, you just gambled. played for fun just yep. with the guy. Oh, I was the guy that lost a 55-cent suit and flipped the fucking table over. I, those guys were interesting. Yes, that was me. You get a I lot of gamble, those guys. Yeah. yeah, I couldn't do the gambling. It was too much for me. I didn't like losing my shit. Did you have like a prison hustle? Because you didn't yes. really have much money. That's what I was going to say just now, too, man. I ran a store. I always ran a store. You were the store guy? Every time I went in, I Even was Even in the penitentiary? Guy. Yes, so absolutely. So how, how did you build enough bank to be the store guy? I started guy? with 60 bucks, man. I had 60 bucks. And you just kept building and, I and, it, and I flipped it and I flipped it and I flipped it and I flipped it. And I think when I left, I gave gave away over fucking probably 12 1500 and stuff no one gave you a hard time being the new white guy around no well, i was there for at least four or five months before i opened the store you know what i mean and i got to the point where i was good with everybody you know what i mean i hung with everybody i was in a good block too so i was in a, i was in j block which was it was called a uh, a program block if you will like because you went to classes like two and a half hours of the day but it also got you out of other shit you know what I mean? You got single cell. You know what I mean? We had TV rooms. It was our own. We had, you know, special little privileges that you got down there for going to this little two and a half hour class. So instead of being like, you know what I mean, uh, people that didn't want to go, we all got together and all of us went. We was like, shit, let's get together as a group. We'll all be in the same block together. Fuck yeah. That's what we did. So, bam, we're all in J block together now. And I'm, yeah, I'm hustling candy bars. Now, something I have to ask you about is tattoos. Mm-hmm. Did you get any tattoos This in whole prison? sleeve. Now, were you tattoo? I know you're a tattoo artist now. Mm-hmm. Were you tattooing in prison? No, I didn't start tattooing until I got out. Uh, my co-defendant got out about a year after me, and he started tattooing inside. So, in prison, when you were getting your arm tattooed, what's? Can you walk me through the process? So, the biggest thing for me was uh, I always had to make sure that the CO was cool. So, whenever CO shift and things like that went, we always had water bags and things like that in the penitentiary because we didn't have, uh, you know, weights where I was there. So uh, I was always talk to the guard as soon as they come in. I'd be like, what's the expectations? Because even though I wasn't um, affiliated, if you will, I was still the guy they went to in the block. If, if these two guys wanted to get moved and they went to the counselor, the counselor didn't care. But if I come to the counselor and I was like, yo, I need Ian to go in with Billy because Billy snores and whatever they would move you immediately have it done before count folks that's what they would tell me like when there was a riot they come down and got me as the white dude and then this dude red is the black dude to take us to the chapel in order to tell everybody what was going on so that we could come back and tell everybody while we were on lockdown and i'm not patched or nothing but i just earned the respect you know what i'm saying to be able to do that so that's why the store thing was never a big deal for me so I just started, you know what I mean, with $60 I got from my pops, I think. I think my old, my old man did send me some money when I was in prison. So the ta- back, back to the tattoos then, how much are you paying, first off, to get uh, a tattoo in prison? Fuck, this whole sleeve was probably 125 bucks. That's like the cheapest tattoo anyone will ever get yeah, in their life. In their life, and it's good work. So good what work. are they using for the needles? What are they using so for the So we had ink? guitars. Uh, so they strings. got a guitar string. They had like a D guitar string. How do they make the gun? And then when they, well, they would take the uh, clippers apart, take the motor out of the clippers, and then that center spins. So all you have to do is send that off so that it flips around this way. So you got to put a center on there that makes it spin differently, and that makes the needle go up and down. And then they just attach that to whatever, a pin. And then you got a barrel that that needle goes through, that pin that holds it in there. 
then they make ink out of soot. But uh, I think we had ink that was calligraphy ink because they had art programs and stuff. So they had calligraphy ink. They actually had colors too, but I didn't want color. Was this your first tattoo ever? No. Um, I had like, I had a few things like this was on me. This right here was actually a tribal band. Um, I think I had my leg done. Did you have to get any touched up when you got out? No, I haven't had any of this touch, man. I kind of want they to. They look good. They look good. Yeah, it's yeah. still hung out, dude. And that shit's been there for 15 years, man. Wow. Now, yeah. um, so you started at the penitentiary. Do you get to go to lower security? Or yeah, you... so I'm at the penitentiary two and a half years. And at that point, you know, uh, when I see my counselor at one point or another. So here's another story I want to tell you about first, though, before we do that, before we leave the penitentiary. Let's <laughs> yeah. not leave the penitentiary. yeah, yeah. So while I'm in the penitentiary and I'm in J Block, let me get a drink of water here. While I'm in J Block, they send us motherfucker in my cell. You gotta get the water first. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You're gonna love this. They send this motherfucker in my cell, bro. He comes in, he's got a military number, zero zero one. What's your crime? Selling Hummers. Said, how the fuck you selling Hummers for the U.S. military? Selling Hummers, bro. The government's selling Hummers. So whatever, he's living with me. He's always in the bunk. He's always reading. He ain't got shit. I feed him a few times, whatever. I get him some shoes. I fucking give him some food. You know what I'm saying? I'm a good white dude. This is what we do. So uh, one night we're laying in the fuck cell and it's a fucking Victoria's Secrets lingerie shit on the TV. And I got a TV cell, bro. So I can sit right here and look out the window. Off to the window. And right there's my TV. So he's in the bunk reading books. This is like pornography on the TV, bitch. You're in the bunk. At a USP, too. What's wrong with you? So I say something to him. He gets down. He watches it from one commercial to the next. Gets back in the bunk. A couple days goes by, whatever. He gets commissary. I remember bringing his commissary in. Cool. Locks his commissary up. It's like a day later or something. Uh, I'm on the yard, and they're like, Foltz, he's a pedophile. I'm like, are you fucking serious? They're like, dude, he's a pedophile. So at this point, I got to smash this dude. This is mandatory. Like, I can't just whatever so i'm rolling back to the block i'm ready to beat the fucking brakes off this dude he's already checked in so you knew you had to do that even yes. though you didn't run oh okay. dude there was no fucking way around it there was no way around it. like i was in the politics i was in the politics at this prison okay. i was part of the politics so i already knew what had to happen this is my responsibility can't nobody else do this anyway so i'm gonna kill him like you're fucking you're fucking dead bro like how dare you anyways he checks in so when he checks in, I can't touch him, but I rob him. I take all of his shit. I take the boot. I beat the lock right off. I take every fucking $150 worth of commissary he just got and everything I gave him, that shit's mine. Take all that shit back, put him a bag about this big outside the door. For, here you go. Here's his shit. Fuck him. Two days later, <clears throat> the CO and the counselor, whatever, them people that pull you in the back, they pull me in the back. Two of them. He says, uh, folks, what's up with that, uh, what's up with that inmate that uh, checked in yesterday? You're selling. I was like, you motherfuckers know what's up with him. Why you even put him in my cell? This motherfucker has the balls to tell me. He said, I bet, this is what I'm talking to, I bet him $25 that that dude wouldn't last 24 hours in your cell. I said, you're telling me you put a pedophile in my cell on a bet? He said, yeah, and you lost. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm so fucking mad sitting there. I'm like, you're playing with my fucking life, bro. Because I was on my way back to fuck him up. If I would have smashed his head in or killed him or something, then what would you have done to me? You would have put me in prison longer. And it's on a bet that you motherfuckers made that are supposed to be the people taking care of us. I said, you don't put nobody else in my fucking cell. I said, the first person that comes to my cell is getting a bloody fucking nose from now on out. 
then never put nobody else in my cell again. Did you check his paperwork when he got in? No, see, that was the thing, man. I was what's fucked up about where we were. It wasn't like that. Like, I, I've been trying to figure out how to tell you about the paperwork because there was no paperwork. Some places are like that, though. Right, so, like, yeah. I don't remember there being paperwork. So, what was it, just people taking their word and guards would report? Yeah, so like, there, and, and also there would be, like, if motherfuckers got sent from another prison and we could find out what they did on that yard, we would find that out as soon as possible. And so if you were a check-in, you ripped somebody off, you were such and such at this yard, there's no way you're going to walk this line. I wonder who created the whole paperwork thing. Like, who sat down one day and, and they were like, oh, we're going to start this process of checking paperwork and this and that. Like, I, I wonder where it stemmed from. I don't know where it stems from either, but I, I, if I had to guess, I would say it comes from good motherfuckers not wanting to be around pieces of shit. Now, how did um, people find out this guy was a sex offender? I don't know. But they came to you and they said, hey, yep. you guys. And that's all it took. Now, if you didn't handle it. like Then it, I'm getting smashed. Then they're smashing. Absolutely. You, even though you didn't run with them or anything. Absolutely. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. The white boys had to beat up the white boys just for politics. So, so here's another time when I had a celly and my celly was in the kitchen and they were handing out like scones or some shit that everybody came for in the morning. And the CO says something about, oh, it's busy in here. And this little white boy says, no, that's just because some people are coming twice. Black dude beside him says, oh, you snitching ass motherfucker, snitching ass motherfucker. Just because he said that out loud. This boy comes back to the unit fucking crying, bro. He's crying because he knows it's time. It's go time. Something's going to happen to you. You're being called a snitch on the main line. You're, something's going to happen to you. Anyway, so we got to get it settled. I got to talk to this guy. Now we got to talk because this is my celly and I like this kid. He's a young kid on robbery. He's like fucking 19 or 20 years old. He don't know shit. You know, what he did was just pure ignorance. So we got to get all this shit settled and we can't let any of the black dudes fight the white dudes. That's like a main thing in the prison line. White and black can't fight because if white and black fights, it's a riot. And then everything's locked down. There's no visits. There's no wrecks. There's no GED. There's no food. You're getting a fucking bag in your door. You don't want lockdowns. So the first thing you're doing is politicking to the point that a white man takes care of the white man's shit. Black man takes care of the black man's shit. Mexican takes care of the Mexican, Indian, whatever. Because if it comes down to two races clashing, the whole prison goes fucking crazy. Yeah. That was the thing where I was talking about me and Red and they pulled us down. So that was a, a white dude running around in one unit, inward, 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 get stabbed three or four times where like five gangs jumped him. It wasn't just a one-on-one -on -one shit. And we were locked down for like 14 days. Yeah, they'd lock you in your cell. They're feeding you bag lunches, yeah, right? You don't come out. So, dude, I didn't take a shower for a week. At least like, you me had... and my celly were putting a sheet up and taking a fucking shower in a box by the sink. At least you had the TV though outside. Yes. Oh, no, that wasn't though. on. That wasn't on. Oh, that wasn't on. No, no, that one, no. They turned those off. No, that's going off. Yeah, you don't get that. <laughs> so, because then that's like just me and the other six people, not everybody. Were sex offenders allowed to walk this compound? No, or absolutely not, a, not. So why do they? Why does the prison even put them into the unit? Like, I don't understand. Why not just send them somewhere else? It doesn't make well, sense. Well, you know, I guess the part about that is I remember when I first got to the penitentiary and we were in R&D, they asked me, do you want to walk the line? Is there anyone here you're scared of? Or do you know what you're doing? Do you want to go to protective custody? Are you sure? You've never been to prison? You don't want to go to protective custody? And that's stupid. It's just the whole. And, right, right. So <laughs> I guess at that point, these guys are like, you know, I'll take my chances. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking. But yeah, why would they even put them there? Like, yeah. why would you even, when you know, I remember when I first started going to jail, they would send a, a, a sex offender into the unit with a pillow. A pillow. A pillow. So that was marking him straight off the top. 
So everybody else that came in was normal motherfuckers. Why but the fuck you, would because they do? Because when they, when, they, when they dressed them out downstairs, they already knew they was a pedophile. Yeah. And when they dressed them out, they give them a pillow. So these are like corrupt guards that wanted to... Well, I don't know about corrupt. <laughs> I don't know about corrupt. Right. But corrupt from but like yeah, a professional from that stand- standpoint. Yeah, yes, from a professional yes. standpoint. They yeah, were- so then they would get fucked up and we would take their pillow. Dude, guards look at, like, they, they're disgusting. Like, because they looked at me. Like, I tell a story all the time that they looked at me as a sex offender and some guards would, like, give me a dirty look yeah. and then some inmates would have to say, he's straight, like, he's good. Dude, that's hard. That's yeah. got to be hard to have that. One of the things I've disgusted. always been scared of the most was being... Uh, 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 falsely accused of some child molestation and having to go to prison for that. Yeah. Like, that would be scary shit. So just someone looking at you and even thinking that has to be fucking tough. Dude, I am so, like, cautious. Like, I don't want anyone, like, sending me links or anything because I've met guys in prison. They're like, oh, you know, like, someone sent me something and I had it, but then come to find out, well, the feds aren't going to prosecute you for that. It's like, if you have, like, boatloads and you're doing this, you're doing that, you're sending text messages... But, like, I'm always, like, very hesitant, like, about any of that. Like, right. Like, where do them links even if, fucking come from? Yeah. And, like, if I'm talking to a girl, like, you got to be 18, like, this and that. Like, I'm not getting jammed right, up in, right. in any of that shit whatsoever. How old are you now? I'm 27. That's what's up. So, you go to a medium or a low or what happens? Uh, so, two and a half years from there, they sent me to Butner. So Butner's where Larry the medical, Flint was, the uh, medical joint. Yeah. That's where Larry Flint was. You know who Larry Flint was? No, but that's where Bade, Madoff was at one yes. point. Yeah, Madoff yeah. was there. So Larry Flint was the guy that started Hustler Magazine okay. back in the 70s. Okay. So anyways, he was there. Um, so that place was fucking gravy. So when I went there, it's the RDAP program, which was a program. Oh, you got an RDAP. Yeah, bro. That's Great good. program, man. It's yeah. one of the best things about the feds for me. No shit. Yeah. Anyone that goes to prison needs to make sure they say on their PSI they have drug use or alcohol use. <laughs> it's definitely helpful. So here's the thing. I had a robbery. I couldn't get the two years. Oh, but you or still the year the off. Program. But I didn't care because they had a weight pile. Okay. That's all I wanted, bro. I just wanted to work out. I want to get smart. I want to get sharp. I want to get my body right. Okay. So that's what I did. I went there and they put me in a program. It was a nine-month program. Uh, people call it snitching uh, because you're in that that therapeutic community where you have to hold each other accountable for what you're doing right and wrong. You know what I mean? So if you're a fucking liar, I'm going to call you out for being a fucking liar. And I do that to this day. Ask my boys. If you fucking lie to me, I'm going to call you a fucking liar to your face. I don't oh, you like that You call them shit. the monkeys, though. Because that's, you know, they're part of the channel, <laughs> bro. They're part of, they're part of my channel. They're the monkeys, man. Yeah. It's just easier, I guess. Um, where were we? Uh, you were talking about snitching and the yeah. RDAP program. Uh, so when you're in there, you're kind of holding each other accountable, but you're focusing on what you're doing. So once I, I sat there for like two weeks and you're sitting in these fucking classes like three hours a day and people are telling on each other and you've got this mindset of this penitentiary and you're, you know what I mean? Shit isn't the same. It's like hard. there's there's pedophiles walking the line and you they they test you because you're in this program. Can you deal with these motherfuckers because in the real world you're going to have to deal with these people. That's kind of how it works. So you got to deal with it. So anyways, I'm sitting there for a while and I start watching people's body language. I start learning from the body language and I start seeing what they're talking about. I start seeing the things and I I like it. Then I got to make a decision that I'm either going to fuck up two or three times so I can stay there longer for the weight pile and then get kicked out or I'm going to conquer this motherfucker and I'm going to become a peer assistant, which a peer assistant stays behind, gets paid $50 a month and you help teach classes for either afternoon or morning. So before that, the woman that ran the place when I was in the second phase of the program loved me so much. She made me a clerk. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm like teacher's pet at this point, bro, that she loves me. So I clerk for her. I clean up all the offices. All the fucking people love me in there. We graduate. I become a peer assistant. I get to stay there. 
But the program is just a good thing because it focuses on what you think. It focuses on like, uh, she called me uh, an asshole and now I'm going to smack her in the face. But what happened right there? She hurt your feelings. There's an action that creates an emotion that creates an action. So anyways, it just taught me how to think a little bit instead of just instantly responding to shit. It helped you mature in a way. Yes. And, and it helped me to be accountable for what I'd done wrong. Like they sit, when they sit to them points and ask you to, to, to talk about the people you hurt, to talk about how much money you spent, to talk about like that shit's not easy. Like we want to leave that shit in our past. We don't want to talk about that shit. You know what I mean? We don't want to be accountable for the people we hurt. Nobody wants to face that shit. But it so took when, you going through all that shit to come to that realization. For sure. I didn't even know what the fuck they were talking about when I got there. Like, I didn't know. Like, I was a liar. I was a thief. I was whatever, bro. I fucking smack you in the face in a minute just for whatever. And I'm not a violent person. You know what I'm saying? I don't beat people up. I'm not a fighter. I'm a big guy, but I'm not a fighter. I just don't like to fight. I don't like to beat people up. Some people love that shit. Yeah, you're like it's the, just not the, me. But you're it, like a giant, the friendly right, giant. <laughs> right, and I am. I'm a big fucking teddy bear, man. But at the same time, when I, when I snap, it's a whole different person. You know what I'm saying? It's just like... When I'm screaming and my fucking ears are, my eyes are well enough, my ears are burning, and I'm, that's a different person, and I just don't want to be that person. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so this kind of taught me to not be that. It taught me to respond by thinking and sit back for a minute. Don't just fucking send that instant text or that fuck you. Think about it for a second, man, because you might be doing something else. Were there ever any like um, moments where you almost tried drugs again while you're in prison? Or oh, yeah, would, I did heroin while I was in prison. Oh, you did? Um, I smoked dude. weed while I was in prison. While I was in the penitentiary, I did. But once uh, you got weed was meeting. really hard to get, and the weed that I got was stuck in this dude's asshole so long, <laughs> it smelled like shit. Dead ass, bro. So super fucking good weed, right? You could smell the weed. It was really good weed. But he kept it in his butt, bro. He kept it in his butt, and it smelled like poop. That's crazy. And we rolled it up, bro, and smoked it. We didn't give a fuck. $20 for about three little fucking little joint about that big put it in the end of a pen hit that shit twice and fucking ripped but after that that you stopped doing drugs yeah so i didn't do anything uh once i left once i got into the program and there was really no drugs there that i knew of anyways and you've been clean ever since no fuck no uh, uh, he fell off the bandwagon oh too. yeah bro yeah. yeah uh so i got out of prison and hooked up with the chick uh what year did you get out 2009 and how old march are you? 33 you're 33 years old yeah 33 so what? i come home and i'm fucking ready bro ready I'm for a, what? i'm a brian i'm a i'm a shining light like everywhere i go i'm a fucking beam of light everybody knows i'm there just because i'm living i'm ready to live second chance at life yes you, you know everybody calls it the glow when you come home you got that glow bro and i had that glow everything around me glue um so i hooked up with this chick and we moved in together um I don't even know how I started drinking. Like, she was a drinker. I didn't want to drink her party. I didn't want to do none of that shit. And um, she drank, so I ended up starting to drink a little bit. And I started smoking a little weed. Uh, and then I got to doing some boxing and shit. And shit just went crazy from there. Man. Next thing you kids? know, I'm seeing a doctor, and I'm getting fucking delauded by the millions. <laughs> Not the millions. But anyways, I end up with a doctor that I'm with for five years after that that prescribes me 180 methadone a month. She prescribes me 180 Dilaudid fours a month, and she prescribes me 90 Kalanapin or some shit like that every month. So you're back to right where you started before prison. Yeah. Are you committing crime? Worse. Or you, or, Worse though. Are you committing crime or are you just? Yeah. So I'm working a lot. Um, 
Sorry, bro. You're good, to Turn this motherfucker <laughs> off. That's probably my boy Adam, and he'll send 75 fucking taps. What's up, Adam? He's like, bit 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 I told him to do that. Just send me one paragraph. Uh, anyways, uh, where were we? Um, about if you were committing crime. Uh, so I'm thinking, let's see, I'm working. I'm working every day because I remember I'm getting high. And I'm also I'm selling Suboxins. I'm getting Suboxins pretty cheap. I think I'm getting them for five bucks a piece. I'm buying a hundred at a time. I'm selling them for twenty a piece. So I got a stack of cash. You know what I mean? I don't care. But I'm also using them. Um, and what so that goes kid? by for a while. Me and her split up. I move into a place and I fucking crash, bro. Like I absolutely crash. Yeah. I'm seeing this doctor, and every time I get these Dilaudids, I'm shooting them up. At this point, I've been using needles before I went to prison. So then when I, I'm using needles at this point too. Um, so yeah, every time I get my script, I'm just taking all these fucking drugs and I'm melting away in my house by myself. Me and her split up. I got my own spot up in Stephen City. I'm tattooing out of. Um, what about the kids though? Like where are the kids? Oh, uh, the kids home? are with my mom or with their grandmother. So man. you're still not being there as a Yeah, parent. well, I didn't have enough room for them when I was sober and I think their grandmother sat around and waited for me to fuck up because the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And what I had always done was what I did again. And she knew that was going to happen, so that's where I went, and I did it again. And I fucking sat in that house for two or three years and just melted away to nothing. Do you think that wouldn't have happened if you had a support system? Like, instead of someone saying, we know you're going to fuck up, someone being there for you when you fucked up to help you along the way? Uh, sure, man, yeah. Yeah, I guess somebody, you know what, though, man, no. I can't say that for me, because I'm a stubborn motherfucker. I'm stubborn, too. Man, if I want to do something, bro, I'm going to do it. And that's my saying. I tell everybody, they're like, what are you going to do today? I say, I do what I want, because I do what I want. So do you ever get clean after that? Yeah, so uh, what happens? Uh, I'm taking so many Xanaxes. I go into the doctor's one time, and she cuts me off because I'm not even on Xanaxes. And she's like, you got 450 milligrams. 450 is how much you have in your body, and the cutoff's 50. So you're like eight times over fucked up. So she cuts me off. I'm like, you got to give me one more script. So she gives me one more script. Now, this is 180 Dilaudid K4s. On a Friday morning at 9 o'clock, I fill them. I shoot up every fucking one of them pills before 5 a.m. on Sunday morning. I don't even know how I did it. Like, my tolerance was so fucking high from eating so many methadone that I shot all them pills right in my fucking arm, bro. And, like, 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, I'm like, where's all my pills? Like, I'm out. Now I'm taking methadone again. Last script. Anyway, so by then I called another charge for stealing. Um, what was that for? Dude, I got 10 fucking felonies. So I can't even remember which one was which. So you got charged again? Yes, I called another charge but for stealing. But do you stealing. go back to jail or no? What was this one for? Oh, this was stealing at Kohl's. I was <laughs> high as fuck on Xanaxes. I went in there and bought a pair of shoes. Yeah. Bought a pair of shoes, stole some other shit. No, I wore the shoes out. And the dude that was security... Uh, was one of my old POs or some shit. So as soon as I walked in, he had his eyes on me. You know, yeah, so boom, busted me, took me to jail. Um, what did I get out of that? I got a year. You did a year? I don't even know how I got a year. Like, oh, I got a good lawyer. I paid a fuck a bunch of money to Basler. Dude, my brain's fucked up. I smoke a lot of weed. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so I got three months inside. I had to do 90 days inside, and then I got nine months of home monitoring. So I did that. The whole time I'm on home monitoring, I got to take a piss test every Friday. I'm smoking pot every day. Don't even care. Fuck your piss test. I'm passing a piss test the same way I did for 20 years. I've been cheating my whole life. So I get through that, 
And then uh, I had to do like three years of paper, two years of paper. And I success, no, I fucked up one time and probation, I got two weeks. I did two weeks, got out, that was it. That's been about three, four years ago. And you've been good. Yeah, I've been good. So been what, good. I mean, I drink, I smoke, but I don't do yeah, no pills. Well, I mean, well, none of that what, shit. What like flipped the switch though? Like what, what changed? Like you literally did a five-year bid, get out, so you go back to I overdosed. It. I say I overdosed. When I went in for the two weeks, I got got a hold of some fentanyl. We went to Baltimore. I've been taking Xanaxes. Uh, when I take Xanaxes, bro, my brain don't work, but my body keeps going. So like my body's driving the car and my brain don't even know what's going on. I'm wrecking and crashing and I just keep moving. So anyways, we get some fentanyl. We get 10 of them. And I, I, think, I remember at this point, I was just like, I don't even give a fuck. Now that I think about it, I was like, you know, I don't even fucking care. I put the whole pill right in the spoon. Bam, shot it. And uh, my step-pops found me fucked up in my room somehow, fucking smashed out, called the uh, mercy room, whatever. They come Narcan the fuck out of me. I woke up in jail. Yep, and that's when I did the two weeks. They gave me a really good pro bono lawyer. It's awesome. So when I got in there, I, I was supposed to be in there for like three months. And then when I got the pro bono, he got it sent back to like two weeks and got me out in two weeks. So I think that was it, man. I think because uh, my moms and, and, and them told my kids, man, and that kind of shit right there fucked me up. I don't want them to hear that about me. Did you realize? My girl, fuck my girl up, man. Like, you know, fuck my girl up. Did fuck you, all my people up. Like, what is, what is he doing? Did you realize like the value of your life at that point? Because like a lot of people go through what you've been through and they don't make it. Like they overdose and they die. Did that hit a switch for you at all? I guess it does, man. I guess it does because it, it's... Did it give me a new... I like this just like this plain fucking thing you're going to see in a movie that says the light turns on. No, I don't think that's what happened. But there is a realization inside of me that says I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that. And then my dad dies. So with that happening and my dad dying all within pretty close of each other, I started thinking about legacy and what we leave behind. Like, what's your funeral going to look like, Ian? You die right now, who's going to be at your funeral? How many people? I got you. Right? I'll be there, bro. <laughs> but I'm just saying, when I think about that, and I think about the 17 people that was there at my dad's funeral and the four of them that really gave a fuck about him, and the story that was told that didn't include me or my sister, my half-sister, uh, I don't want that to be me. It makes you think. It does. And I also heard recently that they, they legalized being able to be buried in a Viking ship. So you want to be in a Viking ship. So you can put a Viking ship, be buried in that, push that bitch out to sea, catch that motherfucker on fire, and be sunk into the ocean, bro. Best ending YouTube video ever. So that's what you want to do. That's what I want to do. I want to build it myself. I want to be put in it. I want to be sent out in the fucking ocean and sank to the bottom. Let the fish eat me. So the last few years, what have you been able to do, accomplish, to rebuild your life? Like, oh, what do you man, do? so... Uh, around the time of all that right there happening, I was working at a place called Shockies where they build shit. I fucking hated it. Um, but the jail got me that job. So I worked there for a while. I'm a great carpenter, so I can build fucking anything. I can do anything with my hands. Um, so I'm building, I'm running shit for there for a while um, until that happened. And then when that happened, that's when, uh, that was the end of that job. So I got out and started working for a buddy of mine that I've known for years that runs a, a siding company. He paid me really well. I built shit up from there. I, I worked every single day. I worked five days a week with him, and then I tattooed on Saturdays and Sundays. So you're grinding. You're I'm doing. grinding every day for two years. I'm, I'm putting money back. I'm buying a fucking truck. Uh, I got a car. I got a truck. I got a bike. You know what I'm saying? I bought all this shit that I wanted. Uh, I got, you know, 10 grand put back. I'm doing, I'm killing it. 
And then last year is when I decided to fully tattoo for myself full time. <clears throat> I got tired of being on 40 foot ladders. I got tired of walking through mud. I just got tired of banging nails. I got carpal tunnel in both hands. That shit hurts. So I wanted to tattoo full time. So that's what I've been doing for the last year, man. I've been doing pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I'm not rich, but I get by. I'm happy doing what I want, which is way more important to me than the money. That's all that matters. Way man. more important. I don't give a fuck about the money as much as I do liking the person that I'm working on, enjoying the art that I'm doing, working in my own house with my own music on, the air conditioner to how cool I want it, the heat on if I want it. Sometimes it's not always about the money. It's about what makes you happy. I mean, look at all the big successful entrepreneurs that will say, I would rather work 100 hours a week and make 50 grand a year for myself than you know work 40 hours a week and make you know 200,000 yeah, for someone else it's about your happiness yeah. and, and what you're doing like me doing this now like the podcast and you know the, the social media stuff it gives me a lot more free time like I, I'm just been thinking lately because you know like if I'm seeing someone or hanging out with friends or whatever when I was working before for someone else I couldn't just say, oh, it's Friday night. I I'm not going to finish what I'm doing. I'm going to go hang out with some friends. I couldn't do that right. before. Now I have right. like this freedom. I could plan my days, plan yeah. my schedule. Right. And, like that to me is that's invaluable. Right it is. There. Cancel if you want to. So what's like your reasoning for coming on the show today? You, you, you reached out to me. You've been seeing what we've been doing. Man, I don't know. Like you just started hitting my feed. And when, it, when, when I seen people sharing like, uh, how they had changed their life for the better and being able to try to put that back out there to the world. I guess that's where I'm at, man, is because my old man was so negative and all that shit right there that I battle on a daily basis. I want to give it out there to the world because when I'm around other people and we're chilling and having fun, man, I like to make people laugh and people laugh and we kick it. And that's just the way I want the world to be. I mean, let's laugh. Fuck all this division and everybody worried about uh, all this shit is just everything. You know what I'm saying? I just want to give people something to laugh about. Look at something stupid that we're doing. Follow a little something that we're doing and laugh. You know I mean, because that's what it is. It's funny. That's awesome, man. And what, do, what would you say is like your message to the world? Laugh a lot, dude. Yeah. Laugh. You know what I'm saying? But also get up and grind, bro. You're not going to have shit laying in bed. You're not going to have shit laying in bed. That's that seven to that seven to twelve that you're watching some dumbass shit on TV, and then you're sleeping till ten in the morning. Get up at six and grind till ten. You know what I'm saying? Get up and grind, bro. You can't make nothing laying in bed. Well, Jamie, thank you for coming on the show, man. I'm glad like you were able to see our stuff, relate to it, and then reach out. That's like yeah, our man, goal. Absolutely. Where could people find you at? What do you want to send them to? Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I got a Facebook and a Instagram that's just under Jamie Folds. So uh, you look up the Facebook, it's just J-A-M-I-E-F-O-L-T-Z. And then on Instagram, it's underscore Jamie underscore Foltz. And then also I got a YouTube channel called Spankin' Monkeys. So you can, yeah, man, it's awesome, dude. So Spankin' Monkeys 1606 is how you're going to search it. You can put that in Google. You can put it in YouTube, send you straight to our channel. And like say, man, it's silliness. You know what I mean? That's what we do. I'm a fucking superhero. Dude, white man, bro. Superhero, of superhero. Your own life. That's yeah. awesome, James. Facts, and I got a super villain and all that shit, man. Dude, yeah. you walked in here. I knew this episode was gonna be. That's good. what's up. You got a good personality. You got like that. You got that look to you, man. That's what's up, so, man. I appreciate you know, it. I wish you the best. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is awesome, effect. dude. What you got going on here is great, bro. Like I dig it. I watch it all the time, man. I see you pop up. I'm like, what's he doing today, man? <laughs> yeah, dude, it's awesome. Well, man. you got a new I'm friend now, Jamie. Definitely happy for you.